in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read a couple verses out of the book of Genesis this morning for a text for the preaching of God's Word. If you got our uh, prepare for worship email this week, you saw in there that we are going to be reintroducing uh, our evening service in a couple months. And I want to preach a couple sermons for us as we prepare and think about an evening service and why we are going to have one. And I'd like to spend this week and the next two weeks looking at a few passages to help us think about this concept and the this truth that God gives to us of the Lord's Day, a Christian Sabbath, as we confessed earlier, but also of other ways to think about this and why it's important and helpful for us to honor the Lord's Day in this way as a way for God to minister to us. Let me read our text for us this morning in Genesis chapter 2 as we turn to the preaching of God's Word. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Ascends the reading of the word of the Lord. Let us go to him in prayer and ask for him to bless the preaching of his word. Father in heaven, we come before you and ask for you to work in us now through the preaching of your word. The Lord, it is not through the worthiness of myself nor the worthiness of your, the hearers, but it is through the work and operation of your Holy Spirit that gives life to us this morning through your word. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, to work now among us, to raise hearts that are dead, to comfort hearts that are sick, sore, and sorrowing, to challenge and confront hearts that are lost in their sins, and Lord, to cause us to see Christ, our exalted Lord, seated on the throne in his heavenly Sabbath this morning. We ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I would like to answer this question for us over these next three weeks. Why have an evening service? Why should we have an evening service? Is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? For some of us, we may dread the idea of an evening service. Some of us may be excited about it for various kinds of reasons. This is a question that has re- the church throughout history has wrestled with. Even when I was in seminary, I did a, a, wrote a research paper on whether the church should have an evening service. And the refer- during the Reformation, it was an issue that Many of the churches and countries struggled with of, do we have an evening service and how do we do it? I think it's a question that is important for us in our current historical circumstance because the evening service is quickly dwindling among most churches. Baptists, Methodists, Lutherans, you go down the list and 50 years ago, virtually all of these had an evening service, but it has been rapidly in decline. I was part of a church that grew up with an evening service, and later on our church did away with it. Now, there could be good reasons or bad reasons that you might find, but it was an interesting thing for me growing up in church. I went to a church of over 5,000 people that would attend on an average Sunday. 
But then in the evening service, there would be maybe a couple hundred people. So less than a tenth of the church would show up to this evening service, mostly gray-haired. And I, my family, was one of two families with children that would attend this service. And it was a dread to me to go to evening service as a kid. I thought, why would we go to church twice on Sunday evenings? Or twice on Sundays, again in the evening. I'm the only kid here. Look, all the other families, they don't come. So I did not, was not excited about it, and I was very happy when our church decided to end evening service. And there were others around me that rejoiced as well. If you would have told me 30 years ago, 35 years ago, that I would now be standing in front of a church preaching to it as to why we should have an evening service, I would have looked at you with a very strange look. What are you talking about? That would be a crazy man. But here I am today, 30 years later, proclaiming to you that the benefits to us of having an evening service. This week, I would like for us to look at this truth of the Sabbath. I think there's a few foundational things for us to understand as we think about this question of why have an evening service. And I think most importantly, it's born out of an understanding of what is the Christian Sabbath or as we are taught the, what is also called the Lord's Day. And so I'd like to look at what happens on the Lord's Day. What is God's intention for this today? Why did God give the Sabbath? What is the point of all this? Well, at the heart of it is rest. That's what this word Sabbath means, to Shabbat, to rest, ceasing from labors and resting from it. And that is what I'd like to answer this morning. What is this rest and how we understand the word rest in Scripture and how we understand what it means for us is going to have implications for how we think about this day, this Lord's Day and Sabbath. If we define Sabbath incorrectly, then we're going to have faulty views of what rest actually is. And if we define it appropriately, then we're going to have a helpful an accurate understanding of what we are supposed to do and not do on this day. Why did God give the Sabbath? Well, if you turn in your Bibles and look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, it tells us, or verse 2, it says, And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day. So God rests after he finishes this entire work of creation It seems a bit obvious, but it's important to note. But then it tells us the reason why God gives the Sabbath to us. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He sanctified it, and here's why. Because on it, he rested. The reason why God has given us this day to rest is because he rested. It's quite simple. God did this. And we, created in God's image, are those who are supposed to reflect him, who also rest from our work. But the question is, what is this rest? What does it mean that God rested? What does it mean that God ceased from his labors? Did God get tired? Did God do all this effort and energy and now he needs to restore himself? Did he get worn out like we do? 
Well, we would obviously say no to this question. God is not diminished. He's eternal and infinite and unchanging. He cannot grow or shrink. He cannot atrophy. So what is this rest? Well, first, I would like us to see that rest is ceasing from ordinary work. Secondly, I would like us to see this morning that rest is enthronement. And lastly, I would like us to see that rest is blessed. Not try to make that rhyme, but rest is blessed. So first, rest is ceasing from ordinary work. God completed his work, the work of making creation, the heavens and the earth. All of everything in all creation that has been made, God completed it. This is what Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 says, that God finished his work. He was done. The construction of the world, the construction of the heavens and the earth was done. No more needed to be accomplished. And that is why the Sabbath was given to man. To show them that one day their work would be done. Chapter 2 comes after chapter 1. And that is where God tells us the purpose of mankind. He says to man, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. This is man's work that he is to do, to rule over all creation. This gets spelled out in more detail in chapter 2 when God puts Adam and Eve in the garden to work and keep it, to protect it, to guard it. And God gave man the Sabbath to say, one day your work will be done. One day it will all come to an end. And he gave it as a sign every single week to show that, yes, your work that you're doing every week will one day come to an end. And you are living your entire life in anticipation of a day when all the work will be done. Anticipation of enjoying the rest that God has. There would be an end to all the work that is done under heaven. Because mankind was doing his work in order to earn heaven. If man was faithful in his task of guarding and keeping, of doing what God had commanded to him, then God would grant him to enter into his Sabbath rest. That is why God placed Adam in this garden. One of my favorite theologians who is very influential in how I think about this, his name is Meredith Klein, speaks of the reason that God put Adam in there was to create a holy society. Be fruitful and multiply. Have lots of babies. Cultivate the earth. Produce good from it. Create a holy society, even a proper habitation for mankind. This world is turned against you in a way. Just normal, natural world. It must be turned from whatever it is to something that's fruitful. God puts them in a garden, implying that everything outside is wild and must be subdued. But not only this, God's task to Adam was to keep it. Not just to till it, but to keep it. And this word is a priestly term for guarding and the protection that the priests had to do in the temple service that they had to protect it from people coming in and entering and violating and defiling the holy tabernacle. 
And so Adam had a duty to protect from anyone who would come into this garden and would seek to corrupt the good that God had given to him or the good that Adam had cultivated. Mankind was supposed to build the kingdom of God here upon earth. And Adam was here to function with Eve as a subordinate king, ruling, subduing, creating, bringing fruitfulness out of the earth. And he was supposed to produce subordinate kings under him, children, kings and queens. And God gave the Sabbath to Adam as the crown of saying, yes, one day you will finish your task. This will all be done. If you are obedient to all that I have given you and do not violate any of my commands, then one day you will enter into my rest. And so each week, man would stop his labors. He'd stop working in anticipation of the day when he, along with his whole family, would enter into that rest. Now, we know the rest of that story, that Adam failed and what he was to do. But the point I would like for us to see this morning is what the Sabbath first means is that it is ceasing from our ordinary labors. That Adam would, one day a week, cease working. But there's a second thing I would like for us to see this morning, is that rest is enthronement. You say, enthronement? Mr. Pastor, how did you get that out of this text? Well, let's take a look at this a bit more. God's rest is ultimately the king entering his palace. Here is God creating everything by the word of his power and now rules over that same creation that he has made. The Genesis text is a polemic against the world around us that says that the world has come into existence by the battle between good and evil. Virtually every religion, every story that is out there about the origins of the world is about a battle between good and evil. Yet Genesis 1 presents to us a picture not of a battle between good and evil, but of a God bringing something into existence out of nothing. There is no struggle here with God. There is no battle for him to bring out something. He simply speaks and it comes into existence. And he constructs the world. He creates a habitation for everything that is in it. First, he separates light from darkness. He separates sea and land. He separates the heavens above from the heavens below. And then he fills them. Birds, fish, stars, sea, land animals, and then humans. And now this is a theater in which God displays his glory. He manifests his glory to the whole world. It is the temple, ultimately, in which God shows his rightful kingly rule and majesty to all that he has created. Romans chapter 1, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. Ultimately, what God is doing is building a house where he can dwell with his people. He's building a house 
the heavens above with the angels and the earth beneath with mankind as earthly creatures. And the, the Sabbath shows us that the goal for man was one day that he would ultimately partake in the heavenly Sabbath. He was here on earth partaking of an earthly Sabbath, but one day he would join in this heavenly reign with the king of heaven over all that has been made. And that is why God sanctified this day and made it holy. Everything else in this earthly creation is common. But this day that God had, he took it apart, set it apart, and made it holy. It is a unique day. He sanctified it, and he sanctified it permanently. But our Sabbath today is not a mere repetition of this first Sabbath. As I pointed out, something has happened. Something has happened in history that changed this. Mankind fell. We forfeited our right to enter into this kingly enthronement to join with God. No, instead, we were thrust down. We joined with Satan in his mutiny, and now we are under the rule and power of Satan with him. And so God has sent his king to restore, and something new happens. Jesus Christ conquers Satan and the power of death, and then he is raised from the dead and then ascends into heaven and then sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He is the one who is upon the throne. And now our participation in the Sabbath is not just us entering into it. It is us entering into it because of what Jesus Christ has done. That we participate in the heavenly Sabbath because of Jesus Christ. Our confession alludes to this quite pointedly. And from the resurrection of Christ, the Sabbath was changed from the first day of the week. Jesus Christ takes the Sabbath to himself when he rises from the dead on Sunday, the first day of the week. But he is now the one who is enthroned enjoying, participating, ruling over the Sabbath. And Jesus Christ won that for us. And that is our hope. Jesus Christ is now the one who is building the kingdom of God. He is the one who redeemed his holy city, the people of God, from Satan. And he has brought us back to him to make us his own that we might enjoy this Sabbath, in its fullness, one day. And today, we participate in this reality. Today, now, in this moment, when the church gathers together. Because we have this Sabbath secured for us. Adam was on probation. That Sabbath had not been yet given to him. It was promised to him and held out to him, but he did not yet have it secured. He must earn it by his own work and effort. But now today we have something infinitely better than what Adam had. We have this Sabbath rest, this enthronement with God in the heavens above secured for us. And it cannot be taken away. 
because of what Jesus Christ has done. This is why we call it the Lord's Day, because Christ has won it for us. And on this day, we show forth that Jesus Christ is Lord by setting apart this day, saying, it is he who reigns in heaven above and has won the rest that God enjoys for us, that he would give it to us today. And so we are participating even now in this very moment in that rest that Christ has won for us. Today, the Sabbath is guaranteed to you. And this is what we do on Lord's Day. It is not simply a remembrance of what God has done. In this moment, today, as we gather together as the people of God, we actually receive the benefits of this Sabbath. On this day... Among God's people, we are entering into that reality. This is what Hebrews 4 speaks of. But the way we enter into that reality is through faith. You cannot participate in the reality of Sabbath by your own effort, by your own work. It is only by trusting in Jesus Christ, in the one who has won it for us, Fallen sinners. Without faith, you cannot receive one drop of the blessing of what the Sabbath has held out. And so this is our last point this morning. This rest is blessed. This is what God does. He blesses this day because in his Sabbath is abundant blessing. I would note first that it is to our spiritual detriment not to observe the Sabbath. This is what God does in creation. So God blessed the seventh day. Meredith Klein helpfully points out that the other places that this word is used in the Genesis narrative is towards the animals and towards humans when God blesses them. And what happens? He says, be fruitful and multiply. It is a day of fruitfulness, of life giving. Something happens on this day that does not happen on the other six days of the week. It cannot happen in the way that it does on the other six days of the week. Because God has blessed this day in particular to minister to his people. So much of Christian literature out there points to a million different ways that you can grow as a Christian. And some of them are good. Some of them are right. Some of them are helpful for us as Christians. But some of them, there's no blessing attached to them. And as we observe this day, we receive the blessing that God holds out to us on this day. By resting from our ordinary labors and devoting it to the worship of God. It is often the primary mark of a languishing Christian. Of one who is walking away from the Lord and that they have forsaken the Sabbath. That they have ceased attending to the worship of God. 
But what I would like to point out to us today is how we receive this blessing and what we receive in this blessed day. He has given blessing to us. And how do we receive and what do we receive in this life-giving day? See, in this day, we receive nourishment for our souls. Six days of the week, we receive nourishment for our bodies. One day of the week, in particular, we receive nourishment for our souls. It's not just anticipation that we have today. but It is actual nourishment that we receive in this day. Because today, we receive grace. Today, God ministers his grace to his people. We receive, on the Lord's day, God's grace. And God gives it to us, this blessing, not because we're so righteous, not because we observe the Sabbath so well, not because we live so righteously throughout the week, but because Christ has won the blessing for us. Today, God gives his blessing of his Sabbath to those who do not deserve it. That you and I come here today, each week, and Lord willing, morning and evening, to receive grace. That we do not deserve the blessing that God holds out to us in the Sabbath. Enjoying his presence in its fullness forever. We have forsaken it by ourselves, by our own works and our own deeds. And we show it forth every single day. But God invites sinners to come on this day to receive grace, his favor, and to receive it freely. And that is the reason why I want us to have an evening service. Maybe it's because I'm a Presbyterian fuddy-duddy. It's quite possible. But it's an opportunity for us to receive God's grace even more on this day in which he has promised blessing to us. We need more and more of God's grace in our lives each day, each week. And that is what is held out to us on this day. The gift of heaven freely bestowed, not for those who can earn it, but for those who have done everything to undeserve it, to unearn it. And this is what God gives to us on this day. And this is what I encourage you on this day to remember that God is gracious to sinners like us who gather in his presence to receive blessing from his hand. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we gather today to receive blessing from your hand. And Lord, we pray that you would bless us as we gather each week to hear your word preached, to hear your word read, to sing praises and to glorify you. And Lord, we confess that there are so many things that fill our hearts, our thoughts, our minds that we would love to do. 
Yet, Lord, this day that you have given to us is where the riches of heaven may be found. So, Lord, fill our hearts with the hope of heaven this day and each day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.